Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Manjoon Court over a serious assault near the River Kelvin. From the Glasgow Times published on the 9th of June 2022. An article by Stacey Mullen. A man is due in court, charged with a serious assault in Glasgow. An article from the Glasgow Evening Times, published on the 9th of June 2022. Comes after police released CCTV images following the incident behind the Garth Cube Sports Complex near the River Kelvin at around 3pm on Thursday, April 28th. The force said a 57-year-old man has been arrested and charged in connection with the incident. He is due to appear at Glasgow Sheriff Court at a later date. A Police Scotland spokesperson said a 57-year-old man has been arrested and charged in a connection with a serious assault which occurred near the River Kelvin in Glasgow. The incident took place behind Garth Cube Sports Complex around 3pm on Thursday, April 28th. The man is due to appear at Glasgow Sheriff Court at a later date. Glasgow Co-op Worker Awarded for Quick Actions After Lorry Burst Into Flames An article from the Glasgow Evening Times of the 9th of June 2022 Again, this article is written by Rebecca Newlands. A Glasgow co-op worker has been presented with an award for his quick actions when his delivery lorry became engulfed in flames. John Brown, 43, was on a routine delivery route to a co-op store when he saw smoke in the freezer of his articulated vehicle. The hero, who has worked for the company for 20 years, acted fast by moving the lorry to a safe spot before uncoupling the burning trailer from the driver's unit. In doing so, John from Sandy Hills prevented a significant amount of fire damage to the surrounding buildings. His actions have been described as incredibly brave and selfless. John said it was only afterwards that the potential scale of the incident and what could have happened really hit me and sunk in. I generally take things in my stride and was able to remain calm. I instinctively knew I needed to move the vehicle out of the way and to somewhere safe. John was given a silver award in the distribution and delivery hero category of the Retail Week Awards 2022. The judges noted that they had received a record number of entries and the quality was incredibly high. They said John demonstrated heroic actions under massive pressure and dangerous and potentially life-threatening circumstances to help protect people and his community. John added, I never expect to be given an award, though. I just did what I needed to do, but receiving this recognition has been a fabulous experience. The article, as we said, was written by Rebecca Newlands and read by myself, Alistair. Glasgow College students take part in Five Aside for White Ribbon Scotland. An article from the Glasgow Times published on the 9th of June 2022. This article is by Rebecca Newlands, digital journalist. 
Glasgow students played five-a-side football tournament in support of a pledge to end gender-based violence. Students from City of Glasgow College, Glasgow Clyde College and Glasgow Kelvin College battled it out in the pitch for the White Ribbon Scotland Cup. White Ribbon Scotland is an ongoing campaign to end violence against women and men and each of the five-a-side players signed their pledge. Speaking of why they decided to become involved, Robert Scullion, Student Engagement Officer at City of Glasgow College, explained, We wanted to get Glasgow colleges together with sport to support White Ribbon Scotland and tackle gender-based violence. This was an opportunity to teach young people the message that any type of violence against anybody isn't tolerated. We have a responsibility to make sure people are aware of this type of campaign. It was a fantastic event and we hope to host more like this in future. Johanna Thompson, student president at Glasgow Clyde College, said Glasgow's three colleges came together in association with White Ribbon Scotland to get as many people as possible to sign the pledge to say they won't commit, condone or stay silent about gender-based violence. It's been great to get everyone involved and to have Glasgow's three colleagues collaborate for this cause. It was Team Cleanup from City of Glasgow College who won the tournament and took home the cup. Davy Thompson, campaign director for Right Ribbon Scotland, said, We're pleased to be working with all three Glasgow colleges now in addressing violence against women. Events like the regional football tournament drew attention to the issues and raises awareness in a friendly, competitive way. The event was organised by the College Students Associations and supported by Glasgow College's Regional Board and held on May 26 at Power League Glasgow. Martin Boyle, Executive Director of Glasgow College's Regional Board, said We want to thank Glasgow's three colleges and everyone involved in organising, supporting and participating in this fantastic collaborative event in support of a very important cause. Glasgow's Kelvin College student president, Lauren McLaren, spoke of how important it was for the colleges in Glasgow to come together and tackle issues that are being faced by students. She added, by collaborating, there is an opportunity to tackle issues that face Glasgow's students and promote positive change. The regional football tournament was a brilliant opportunity for the three colleges in Glasgow to be involved in a competitive sporting event feel part of the wider student community and learn about the important cause we are supporting. Nothing changes if it isn't challenged and by signing the pledge you are acknowledging and challenging the problem. To find out more about White Ribbon Scotland, visit uk. A busy road and roundabout in Cumbernauld have closed due to a burst water main, an article by Rebecca Newlands. Reports began circulating in social media that locals were having problems with the water in the Seafar area. The police then confirmed that Seafar roundabout to Wilderness Bray is closed, as is the slip road between Brayhead roundabout and Library. One local commented on Facebook that there's a flood of water coming from a bit just before the turn-off for the roundabout, while others complained of low water pressure. Scottish Water confirmed on their website that they were on their way to fix the problem. Nicola Sturgeon has told anti-abortion protesters outside hospitals and clinics in Glasgow to leave women alone, an article by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. 
The First Minister said those who have been protesting are trying to intimidate women. She said, I find that what is happening outside hospitals and the Sandiford Clinic completely and utterly unacceptable. She said the summit she agreed to chair with councils and the police over the issue will happen this month. Sturgeon said, my call to those who want to protest against abortion is to come and do it outside the Parliament where laws are made and leave women alone and stop trying to intimidate them. The First Minister was asked by Labour MSP Carol Mochan about government supporting councils to allow, act, to allow action to be taken. She said the intimidating behaviour outside the Sandyford Clinic in Glasgow appears to be escalating. Mochan said that national and local government appears to be at an impasse and finding a solution like introducing buffer zones and called for the government to offer more support to councils to find solutions. Sturgeon said that these are legal complexities around this and it doesn't help anybody for me to pretend there aren't. She said local and national government wanted to work through these complexities. She added my preference as we would be able to legislate nationally in order that there is a consistency of approach in this. The article, as we said, was from the Glasgow Evening Times and written by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 10th of June 2022, from the news section, Glasgow MSP calls for more black, Asian and minority ethnic teachers in schools. By Stuart Patterson, more black, Asian and minority ethnic teachers are needed in schools, a Glasgow MSP has said. Figures show only a fraction of school teachers in Scotland are BAME, leading to calls for more action and particularly in promoted posts. The statistics led to Cabot Stewart, Glasgow Kelvin SMP, MSP, to call on the Scottish Government to urge councils to do more work to get people from minority backgrounds into the classroom. The latest statistics, highlighted by the MSP, show in 2017 there were 1.2% of primary teachers and 2.1% of secondary teachers from black, Asian and minority ethnic communities. By 2021, those figures had only risen to only 1.4% and 2.7% respectively. In promoted posts, only 0.6% in primary schools and 0.9% in secondary schools were black, Asian or minority ethnic. Stewart said, the statistics are, st- are stark. She added that councils need to actively explore positive action measures, as allowed under the Equality Act 2010, to address underrepresentation, particularly at senior levels. She gave a project in Glasgow as an example others could follow. While nearly 25% of children and young people in Glasgow schools are from BAME backgrounds, only 3% of council staff come from those same backgrounds. Last year, Glasgow City Council began a project where it advertised five promoted posts to teachers from BAME backgrounds. When it was approved, the council stated, We recognise that our workforce is still not truly representative of the communities we serve. In particular, our promoted posts are dominated by those who identify as white Scottish. The project saw Glasgow advertising five promoted posts to BAME candidates fixed term for one year. The aim was to give teachers the experience they need to allow them to apply for permanent promoted posts. The positions were ring-fenced to all Glasgow City Council teachers on a permanent contract who identify as BAME. The council is evaluating, evaluating the project and will consider whether to repeat it for 2022-23 school term. Shirley Ann Somerville, Education Secretary, said, 
The positive action that Glasgow City Council has taken in this area is absolutely to be commended. The diversity in the teaching profession and education workforce subgroup is considering the ways to, in which to capture and measure such actions so that it can support other local authorities to be similarly ambitious. I concur absolutely with Kirkup Stewart's sentiments that those figures are unacceptable. The Scottish Government is determined and it will continue to work with all local authorities to ensure that we can, and will, do better. And that piece was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 10th of June 2022, from the news section, Boy, 13, electrocuted in an incident at railway line in Glasgow's West End, by Sarah Pacioroni. A 13-year-old boy was rushed to the hospital with electrocution injuries after an incident near Scotston Hill train station. On Thursday afternoon, we reported on trains facing disruption as emergency services attended the incident near the West End station. The British Transport Police confirmed officers were called to the line at 3.55pm on June 9th after receiving reports of a teenage boy having been electrocuted. The force stated the boy's injuries are not to be believed to be life-changing or threatening. A British Transport Police spokesperson said, Officers were called to the line close to Scotson Hill at 3.55pm on June the 9th following reports of a 13-year-old boy having sustained electrocution injuries. Paramedics also attended and he was taken to hospital with injuries which are believed to be neither life-changing or threatening. Following the incident, ScotRail warned passengers that the line between Yoker and Scotson Hill was blocked. A spokesperson for the firm had said, Due to the emergency services dealing with an incident, the line via Scotson Hill slash Yoker is blocked. Train services running through the area will be cancelled, delayed or revised. We look to reroute as many services as we can via the Singer slash Annie's Land line. In a later update, it was announced that no trains were running between Yoker and Singer and all power between Finiston and Dalmuir had been switched off. At around 4.50pm, power was safely restored and all services were resumed. A Scottsdale representative had said, some delays and alterations will continue whilst we get crew and units back into position. We're sorry for any delays to your journey. This may have caused you. That report was by Sarah Pacioroni. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 10th of March 2022. From the news section, Hunt for machete wielding accomplices in Daniel member attack continues after getaway driver jailed. By Sarah Pacioroni. A hunt for two machete-wielding thugs is continuing after a man was jailed in connection to a brutal attack on a member of a crime family. Ryan Quinn, 27, was sentenced to four years in prison for an attempted murder in Glasgow last year. On Saturday, September 11th, 2021, two people attacked 41-year-old Robert Daniel on Dasholm Road, Maryhill while Quinn waited in the car as the getaway driver. Daniel was left with life-threatening injuries during the 60-second assault at the council dump. On Thursday, June 9th, 2022, Quinn was sentenced to four years behind bars at the High Court in Glasgow for his part in the attack. Cops acknowledged the sentence and said inquiries are continuing to trace the two attackers. Detective Chief Inspector John Morrison from Greater Glasgow Division said, 
This was a planned attack in broad daylight in the middle of a busy area which left the victim with significant injuries. This type of crime will not be tolerated and we will continue to target those who are involved in this sort of activity as we work to make our communities safer. I hope this sentencing sends a clear message to anyone involved in criminality that you will be identified, brought to justice and made to face the consequences of your actions. We believe at least two other people were involved in this attack and rest assured we are doing everything we can to also bring them to justice. I would like to thank the public for their support and everyone involved in this investigation. And that article is by Sarah Pacciaroni. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 10th of June 2022, from the news section. Pensioner tried to withdraw £3,000 after being tricked by bogus callers who pretended his roof was rotten. By Lauren Brownlee. A trio of bogus workmen tried to con an elderly man out of £3,000 by pretending his roof was rotten and needed to be repaired. Mark McGowan appeared at Glasgow Sheriff Court this week to be sentenced for his part in the attempted fraud after previously pleading guilty to the offence. The two other men have not been traced despite the incident occurring in April 2018. McGowan was charged with inducing the elderly gentleman to attend a Bank of Scotland branch in Rutherglen to withdraw the cash and attempt to obtain this money by fraud whilst acting with others. The court heard the complainer was within his home in Stewarton Drive, Campus Lang, when he became, he became aware that someone was at his door. This is one of the two unknown suspects who stated that he would clean off the gutters and put, put one loose roof tile into place for £20. The elderly gentleman agreed and the suspect said he would come back the next morning. The next day, McGowan and the two suspects attended the home. A ladder was placed against a wall. McGowan held this ladder while one of the suspects climbed up onto the roof and threw slates to the ground. The other suspect was engaged in conversation with the elderly gentleman at this point. The prosecutor said, A small bit of rotten wood was thrown from the roof. The suspects and the accused explained to the complainer that the roof was rotten and would require around £3,000 worth of work. The accused thereafter climbed onto the roof and was observed by the complainer to continue stripping tiles and throwing them from the roof. A short time later, the two suspects asked the complainer to attend the back garden. Suspect 1 stood at the bottom of the garden looking at the roof, explaining the joists were rotten and could be fixed by a joiner he knew. A conversation took place between the witness, the suspects and the accused. The pensioner was advised to go to the bank and withdraw £3,000. Meanwhile, the two suspects left the property, leaving McGowan working on the roof. Whilst the elderly man was within, was within the bank, staff called police due to the suspiciousness about the situation. Officers attended at his home, where the accused was on the roof. The prosecutor added, they requested that he come down and his details were noted. He was then allowed to leave. Police thereafter attended at his house on June 13, 2018, where he was informed of his arrest. He was taken to Falkirk Police Office and interviewed. He stated he was asked to carry out the work by the two other males. He was thereafter cautioned and charged and made no reply. McGovern's solicitor said his client was offered work by the suspects and was not made aware of the fraud. But Sheriff Charles Lockton replied, he pleaded guilty to attempted fraud. Does he accept that? 
The lawyer replied yes and said McGowan is very sorry for the harm caused to the elderly man. He added, he's not heard from the, the two men since as they have simply disappeared. He recently managed to secure his own tenancy and is now working as a supervisor. He accepted it was foolish of him to take the work from these people. No money was ever taken from the complainer and my client has not benefited in any way. It's been a constant headache for him for the past few years. He's taken full responsibility and is very sorry. He pleaded guilty to save the court time and expense and to save the complainer any stress. This is really his only offence his entire life. He pulled himself up from a difficult childhood. McGowan of Aloha was tagged in order to stay within his home between 7pm to 7am for 90 days. And that article was by Lauren Brownlee. This article is from the Glasgow Times, date 10th June 2022, from the Lifestyle section. Harry Styles' obsessed sisters travel from America to see star play at Glasgow's Ibrox. By Esther Tarnay. Two American Harry Styles' obsessed mums have flown thousands of miles to see the star perform in Glasgow, said they don't care that they are old enough to be his grandmother. Patty Going Frey, 68, and Marion Going Grill, 54, who are sisters, have seen the star live five times and already have tickets to see him on four more occasions, including at Ibrox Stadium on Saturday. The American siblings first became fans of the British singer through their children. Marion from Lancaster in Pennsylvania said, We loved him in one direction and we both had younger kids and they were on board way before us. We went to our first concert in Philadelphia around 2015 and the rest is history. Our children roll their eyes when we talk about him, but we have wonderful husbands who see the joy in our faces even when we just talk about him. They say, go, have a great time. We'll see you when you get home. We are going to see him much more because of COVID, things really shut down. Patty from Boulder in Colorado added, we expect pure joy, wonderful memories, and it will keep us fueled until the next one. He's coming to New York to play at Madison Square Garden in the autumn, and he's playing 10 nights. I've got tickets for three nights, and then my American Express fraud alert occurred and I couldn't buy him anymore. I'm absolutely going to try again. It's the X One Direction members' energy that draws them in, they say, along with how down-to-earth and grateful he is. Patty saw him on the American TV show Saturday Night Live taping, but they have yet to meet him in person. She said, if we did, I think I would not be able to speak. I would just say, God bless you, thank you, you are amazing and an inspiration to so many people. Maybe I would cry. It would probably be the most emotional moment of my life, kind of on the level of childbirth. Despite being older than most of his fans, the woman insists the gigs are an experience you can't get through the TV. Patty said, I'm 68, my sister is 54. I don't think I'm his target audience, but I'm sure I'm a very enthusiastic person. I could be his grandmother, but I, I don't care. 
The joy, excitement and the crowd is about the most fun thing you can do. Marion added, when we go to the concerts, it's a community and we become friends with everyone in our vicinity. But we have noticed that the average age group is younger than us. We are the mums. The elementary school principal and retiree also enjoy dressing up for the shows in their own unique outfits. For the Ibrox event, they are planning something with a Scottish twist which is close to their hearts. Patty said, we're going to a nearby charity shop to buy kilts and marry them with tutus and anything we've brought along that we can find. We specifically make all our concert outfits. I was a textile major in college, so it just comes naturally. Our mum was also very creative, so this is in our breath. We're also getting haircuts and calling it Hairstyles for Harry Styles. We are going for something appropriate for being in Scotland and going to a concert. We don't know what that is, but we're open. As we researched prior to our journey, because we assumed we are Irish, but actually my grandmother is a Morton and we have a lineage of cross. That's Scottish. So we're going to learn more about our heritage. We are very proud. Scots are great. We just love them. The show comes almost two months after former One Direction member Louis Tomlinson played at Glasgow's O2 and the Glasgow Times spoke to fans who travelled from Australia and Tokyo to see their favourite. That article was by Esther Tarnay. This article is from The National, date 10th June 2022, from the News section. SMP MSP calls for more minority ethnic staff in Scottish schools by Jane MacLeod. SNP MSP Cow Cub Stewart has called on local authorities to increase the representation of minority ethnic staff in Scottish schools. In Holyrood yesterday, the MSP raised the disproportionate lack of minority ethnic teachers in Scotland schools noted in the Diversity in the Teaching Profession Scotland Annual Data Report. The SNP MSP said that councils, as employers, should be actively exploring positive action measures to address the underrepresentation of black and minority ethnic staff at all levels, particularly senior. Cabinet Secretary Shirley Ann Somerville praised Glasgow City Council plans supporting five acting principal teacher roles for minority ethnic teachers, which could be rolled out across Scotland. Stewart said, better representation of minority ethnic teachers at all levels in our schools is a goal we should all be fighting for. It means we can provide our young people with a more diverse education experience, one more reflective of the society around them as well as offering positive role models for minority ethnic students. The underrepresentation of minority ethnic teachers in our schools should be a cause for concern for all of us, because minority ethnic people and our young people deserve better. For many years, we have heard a lot of warm words, which I do not doubt the sincerity of, but it's time for those words to turn into action. I'm very glad the SNP Scottish Government is committed to supporting the recommendations of the Teaching in a Diverse Scotland report of 2021, 
but we now need local authorities as employers to step up and play their part. That article was by Jane McLeod. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 13th of June. Store bars under 18s from shopping alone. An exclusive article written by Sarah Pacheroni. Furious parents in Glasgow have slammed a sporting goods store for preventing under-18s from shopping alone. Shoppers in the city have taken to Twitter to express their anger at a sign at the entrance of the Decathlon store at Glasgow Brayhead and demanded an explanation from the company. The sign reads, No under-18s unless supervised. Thank you for your understanding. Mum of four, Vonnie Sandlan, regularly shops at the store and was shocked to see the notice. She told the Glasgow Times, I honestly couldn't believe it when I saw it. They'd gone to the effort of printing a company-branded sign, so this isn't a rogue employee. This is a demonstration of the company's beliefs and values. It's disappointing to see a large retailer like Decathlon making this choice to discriminate against children and young people. The children should be seen and not heard mantra ought to be a historical artefact. This has certainly made me reconsider whether Decathlon is a business that I want to spend my money with. In a Twitter thread, the woman wrote, Hi Decathlon UK, can you justify this please? Not least because in Scotland you can vote, join the armed forces or get married, yet aren't welcome in your store. Another parent commented, Like many others, I take my children in there to choose their own gear on their own, unsupervised. Not anymore. Bye. Another comment read, At 16 I had moved out and was living independently at university, but yet couldn't go into decathlon to buy some sportswear. Some suggested the rule might have been put in place as a deterrent to shoplifting. Another user tweeted, Wonder if they're having teenagers stealing in there. Even so, agree, not justified. Better ways of dealing with things if they're having issues. According to Twitter accounts, it appears other stores across Scotland might be adopting the same policy. Another parent tweeted, Turned my daughter away at the Edinburgh store. She was going in with her pal to buy rugby boots. Another user wrote, This is awful and alienating. Wonder how they think this business model works. Decathlon UK has been contacted for comment. An exclusive article written by Sarah Pacheroni. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 13th of June. Scotland is due £3 billion after failed rail project. An article written by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. Scotland is due £3 billion after the UK government scrapped the HS2 rail links extension to link with the West Coast main line, taking trains to Glasgow, an SNP MSP has said. The Goldbourne extension would have connected the high-speed line with a line taking cross-border trains north to Scotland's biggest city. A Glasgow SNP MSP says Scotland is being shortchanged on major transport projects. Cowcub Stewart, Glasgow Kelvin SNP MSP, whose constituency includes Central Station, said, Once again, Scotland is set to lose out on billions as a result of empty Tory promises. Scotland is all too familiar with this story. When it comes to Westminster, all we get in return is cuts, not cash. When it comes to transport, we heard broken promises about the ridiculous Boris Bridge, and now we can add the HS2 extension to Glasgow to the scrap heap. We cannot trust the Tories to invest in transport in Scotland or any other public service for that matter. Boris Johnson is full of bluster when it comes to connectivity, but he fails to back any of it up. 
The 13-mile stretch of track would have been built through the north of England and through the constituency of Sir Graham Brady, the chair of the Conservative 1922 backbench committee. Rail groups criticised the decision when it was announced last week. The Railway Industry Association said, without this connection, a bottleneck will be created north of Crewe on the West Coast Main Line, which in turn will negatively impact outcomes for passengers, decarbonisation and levelling up. An article written by Stuart Patterson. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 13th of June. Harry Styles fans tell of Q Hell ahead of Ibrook's show. An article written by Sarah Pacheroni, multimedia journalist. Harry Styles fans have hit out at the organisation of Saturday night's show in Ibrooks after being stuck in queues for hours ahead of the gig. Gig-goers took to Twitter to vent their frustration as they waited to enter the stadium for up to three hours. One fan told the Glasgow Times, The subway staff was what I think caused it. They were shouting at fans that the queue for the concert was to the left. People were queued from the subway to Ibrooks, but nobody knew where it started or ended. One of the stewards pointed to a line and then said to me, I don't know what they're queuing for. It was chaos. No one knew what was going on. Another gig-goer wrote on Twitter around 6pm, The queues at Harry Styles' Glasgow concert are quite possibly the worst I've ever seen. There's people I'm certainly will just never get in. No stewards around most of the queues. The occasional policeman on a horse comes by, but that's it. We got here at 4pm and are still waiting. Another fan wrote, I've been to 27 concerts, seen around 40 acts. Never seen a more unorganised event than tonight. I love Harry Styles, I love Glasgow. No fault to Ibrox, they've done their best, but it was horrific. Police and stewards had no clue, there was no communication, they felt useless. Been around 20 years since Ibrooks held a show, and God it showed. Waited two hours in the queue outside, arrived at 5.05pm, gained entry at 7.02pm. Merchandise queue, my choice to go of course, until 7.33pm. Toilets queue for 20 minutes as our side only had two cubicles, made it to our seat for 8.22pm. Another gig-goer shared a picture of a queue which stretched all the way to Ibrooks subway station. The show marked the start of the pop star's European leg of Love on Tour. The last time a gig was held at the stadium was in 2007, when Bon Jovi performed in the city. A DF Concerts event spokesperson said, With the excitement and anticipation of the show in full swing, fans turned up in their thousands from very early on Saturday morning, with the gates opening at 4pm. Fans were exceptionally well-behaved, cooperative and cheerful as they passed through security and ticket checks and were a credit to Scotland during such a fantastic show. Police Scotland and Strathclyde Passenger Transport were approached for comment. An article written by Sarah Pacheroni. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 13th of June. Heroin found in tin after police raid flat. An exclusive article written by Lauren Brownlee, senior reporter. Hundreds of pounds worth of heroin was found in a home in Mary Hill after police turned up to raid the property. Officers attended the flat on Hathaway Lane on June 26, 2020, in possession of a search warrant. Alan Buchanan, who was the householder, was the only person within at the time, but Glasgow Sheriff Court heard the Class A drugs did not belong to him. This was established by fingerprint tests. The 33-year-old had been letting a homeless friend stay with him. 
but he appeared in court for sentencing last week after previously pleading guilty to being concerned in the supply of drugs. Fiscal Deputy Jeremy O'Neill said a search was conducted, a black tin was located and the accused was asked if there was a key. He replied, I keep money in that black box, but I don't have a key. A short time later, a polythene bag with 8.5 grams of brown powder was found within the tin. A further bag of 30.5 grams of brown powder was also found within the tin. It was later established to be diamorphine with a value of £800. A set of scales, a teaspoon and two batteries were also found within the tin, as well as scissors and polythene bags. Mr Buchanan was arrested and taken to Helen Street Police Office to be interviewed. He denied knowledge of the tin and its contents, including the drugs. He then told police he had allowed a homeless friend to stay in his home and it must belong to him, but would not provide details of this man. He was cautioned and charged and made no reply. Meanwhile, the black tin was fingerprint tested. A negative result for the accused fingerprints came back and positive results for someone else's. Mr McCannon's lawyer said his client is someone who is vulnerable and easily led. He added, he finds it difficult to manage friends and acquaintances. The tin didn't belong to him. He didn't have a key for it, but he did know drugs were contained within. The offence was almost two years ago, and he hasn't come to the attention of the authorities since then. Sheriff Valerie Mays told Mr Buchanan, this is a serious offence and it certainly falls within the custody threshold. However, I do take into account you've no previous convictions of this type and have a very limited record. Whilst the box was in your house, clearly you'd not touched it due to none of your fingerprints being on it, but you did know what was in it. I do think because of these circumstances I can deal with this by alternative to custody. He was ordered to be under social work supervision for one year and carry out 135 hours of unpaid work. An exclusive article written by Lauren Brownlee. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 13th of June. Police make arrests of members of a Faslane nuclear base human blockade. An article written by Martin Williams, senior news reporter. Police are carrying out arrests of members of a human blockade outside the Clyde UK nuclear weapons base in Scotland. Demonstrators have refused to move after lying in the road as anti-nuclear activists stepped up a protest near the Royal Naval Armaments Depot in Coolport. Up to eight demonstrators have been seen lying on the road, with Scottish CND saying that they were putting their bodies in the line of business as usual for weapons of mass destruction. Anti-nuclear activists began their protests at Faz Lane and Coolport on Sunday, with activists towing a trailer with a giant peace logo on it. Around 50 people gathered at the north gate of the Faz Lane naval base at 11am, then again two hours later at Coolport, where Trident nuclear missiles are stored. Police who have been monitoring the protest have called on the blockade protesters to move on. One officer told three of them, I am requiring you to remove yourself from this position and allow the community and local business to return to a state of normality. Will you comply? A number of the protesters who were lying on the road said no. The officer then said, I'm now informing you, all three, that you are under arrest for breach of the peace. The arrest procedure will now proceed. You will safely be removed from your lock-on devices and you'll be arrested by my officer who may use reasonable and proportionate force. Thank you. Her Majesty's naval base, Clyde, commonly known as Faz Lane, is the Navy's headquarters in Scotland and is best known as the home of Britain's nuclear weapons in the form of nuclear submarines armed with Trident missiles. 
It's home to the core of the submarine service, including the nation's nuclear deterrent and the new generation of hunter-killer submarines. The Royal Naval Armaments Depot at Coolport, eight miles from Fast Lane, is responsible for the storage, processing, maintenance and issue of key elements of the UK's Trident deterrent missile system and the ammunitioning of all submarine-embarked weapons. The Faslane Action for the Bomb Ban Disarmament Camp has launched the protest in advance of a Vienna gathering of state representatives over the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Before the blockade, around 50 protesters have been singing traditional peace songs and newer chants over the UN Treaty to prohibit nuclear weapons. Dancers and singers, banners and protesters were also celebrating the continuation of the Faslane peace camp for 40 years while decrying the need for it. Angie Zelter of Trident Plowshares said the Edinburgh-based Protest in Harmony group progressed down to the main gate at Coolport, surprising the police into blockading the base for us. Faslane Action for Bomb Ban, which featured Extinction Rebellion as well as Plowshares, is targeting Coolport and Faslane until June the 18th. One demonstrator said, This is the story of Britain's nuclear weapons so-called defence system. Of course, it is offence. It's truly grotesque and awful. It's our money paying for it. It would be so much better spent on the NHS, feeding hungry school children, or maybe fighting climate change. That's why we're here. That's why we're protesting. An article written by Martin Williams. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 13th of June. Prisoner caught with SIM card in cell. An article written by Lauren Brownlee, senior reporter. A prisoner was caught with an unauthorised SIM card in his mobile phone after a cell and body search. Duncan Stanulis was serving a sentence at Glasgow's Barlinney Prison when three prison officers attended his cell on the morning of June the 3rd last year. The 33-year-old was on his prison-issued mobile phone at the time and was asked to put it down until the search had been completed. He was asked if there were any unauthorised items within his cell and he replied no. After a body search, no items were found on him. The cell search began and during this, one of the prison officers picked up his mobile phone, which was inspected. At Glasgow Sheriff Court last week, Prosecutor Jeremy O'Neill said it was noted that the security feature at the rear had been tampered with. After inspection, an O2 SIM card not issued by the prison was discovered within. He was informed the matter would be reported. Mr Stanulis's lawyer explained that prisoners were provided with SIM cards at the time due to COVID-19 preventing visits from family and friends. Inmates could use their phones any time they wanted, but had a limited number of hours they could use. The defence solicitor said his father was unwell and he had very quickly used up the hours. His father subsequently passed away. He was punished within the prison. He had three weeks' loss of privileges as a consequence of this matter. He's been at liberation since January and there's been a number of significant developments. He's managed to obtain employment and is now the full-time carer for his son. Mr Stanulis appeared for sentencing after previously pleading guilty to being in possession of the communication device. Sheriff Valerie Mays told him, As you know, this is a serious offence given the place the SIM card was found. I accept you didn't have it for any malicious reason, but it's an offence which could attract custody, given your record. I've taken into account the reason you had the SIM card and the fact that you're now the main carer for your son. 
I can deal with this by alternative to custody. The Bridgeton man was placed under social work supervision for one year and ordered to carry out 150 hours of unpaid work. An article written by Lauren Brownlee. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 13th of June. Scams on the rise in the UK as fraudsters use cost of living crisis. An article written by Emma Sabliak, digital reporter. Scammers are taking advantage of the cost of living crisis as the number of people targeted sees a rise, charities have warned. Three in four UK adults have been targeted by a scammer this year, a 14% rise compared to this time last year. Around 40 million adults in the UK have been targeted by potential scams, according to figures from Citizens Advice and the Consumer Protection Partnership. Many fraudsters are using the cost-of-living crisis to their own advantage, with some claiming to work for Ofgem and asking for people's bank details for a £400 energy rebate. Their warning comes as the Glasgow Times continues to raise awareness of the cost-of-living crisis through our Beat the Squeeze campaign. Chancellor Rishi Sunak promised every household in the UK a grant amid soaring energy prices. The scammers have left some people with no money for food, including 65-year-old Cherie. The woman, who lives alone and receives around £800 a month from her private pension, lost almost £1,000 after fraudsters got access to her bank details. She said, When I checked my balance, my heart literally dropped. I had no money. I couldn't buy any food. I went to Citizens Advice. I was so distraught and really upset. I really don't know what I would have done without the food and fuel vouchers, as I don't have anyone to ask for help. My bank did manage to get my money back, but the whole thing was extremely stressful. My health really suffered over those couple of weeks, as all I was doing was worrying about how I was going to eat and pay my bills. David, an electrician from Elgin, recently lost more than £1,400 in a sophisticated delivery text scam. He had received a text message purportedly from a well-known delivery firm saying an extra charge of £1.50 was required for a parcel delivery. As he was expecting a parcel, he clicked on the link and was taken to a website which asked him to provide a delivery address, phone number, card and bank details. He then received a call purportedly from his bank's fraud department saying that there'd been suspicious activity on his account. He was then convinced to transfer £1,400 into a new safe account. Derek Mitchell, Chief Executive of Citizens Advice Scotland, said scams are a menace, adding, People here are only just recovering from the Covid pandemic and have been battered by the cost of living crisis. To have scammers stealing money from people is awful at any time, but it seems especially bad at the moment. We urge people to stay vigilant and report any scams they come across. In Scotland, your local Citizens Advice Bureau can offer free, confidential and impartial advice. The Scams Awareness Fortnight, run in partnership by Citizens Advice and the Consumer Protection Partnership, takes place from Monday until June the 26th. Fiona Richardson, Chief Officer for Trading Standards Scotland, warned that scammers are quick to exploit current affairs. She said, scammers are quick to exploit the changing and challenging circumstances that we're all currently facing. The Scams Awareness Fortnight campaign aims to bring these scams to the attention of consumers, ensuring they feel empowered to shut scammers down if approached by telephone, text or email. 
Anyone can be caught out by scammers, especially as the tactics used are getting more and more sophisticated. I urge consumers never to rush or feel pressurised into responding if contacted, and never give any personal or banking details to a cold caller, even if they appear to know some of your details already. An article written by Emma Sabalyak. Evening Times, June 13. We can be the Scotland of Kenmure Street, not Downing Street, says John Molyneux. The vote of no confidence in Boris Johnson last week was never going to be won or lost on matters of principle. It was always going to be about Tory self-interest. In the end, those Conservative MPs who wanted to protect their government paychecks just edged out those desperate to hang on to their seats in marginal constituencies. Still, the outcome could hardly have been more damning. With 148 of his own MPs voting to remove him, Johnson has lost any authority, even within his own party. He must surely go, and soon. My six-year-old knows this. He understands that actions have consequences. He knows that those in Downing Street, including the PM, partied on while we said goodbye to his granddad. He knows that for many thousands of others who went through similar pain, that is unforgivable. It beggars belief that the Prime Minister and those on his government payroll do not. This is a Prime Minister whose response to having clearly broken his own ministerial code is to rewrite it. A Prime Minister who makes up the rules to suit himself. When he also leads a government determined to criminalise dissent, remove people's human rights, disenfranchise the most vulnerable, limit democratic scrutiny, disregard international law and turn every possible issue into a culture war, it is with no exaggeration that SNP Mary Black says we have to talk about the F word, about how fascism is sowed in the actions of governments that make decisions based on self-preservation and cronyism, that seek the concentration of power and removal of scrutiny, and in the systematic of othering of anyone who challenges their chosen narrative. Nothing more clearly encapsulates this than the Nationality and Borders Bill and the way the government plans to treat people seeking refuge from war, persecution and hate. This coming Tuesday we'll see the first flight deporting asylum seekers from the UK to Rwanda a country with an awful human rights record. This has been condemned by the United Nations as a flagrant attempt to evade international obligations which have existed since after the Second World War. Even by the terrible standards of the Home Office, this is a disgraceful new law. Johnson must go 
But Scotland needs to not be saddled to a political class in Westminster that offers no viable alternative. It may be 10 years since Theresa May said she wanted to create a hostile environment, but its seeds were sown from 1997 onwards under Labour Home Secretaries when phrases like bogus asylum seekers and asylum cheats entered the lexicon via the mouths of Tony Blair and his ministers and the current shadow cabinet are not offering anything like the change course that is needed. Scotland can choose a different path through independence and it is becoming ever more pressing that we have that choice. A choice to replace hostility with care, compassion and solidarity. To be Scotland of Kenmuir Street, not Downing Street. A choice I hope we will ultimately make, says John Molino. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 15th of June 2022, from the news section, Man who abducted ex-lover and boy, three, in Glasgow Strum Chapel, jailed, by Connor Gordon, court reporter. A man who abducted his ex-lover and three-year-old boy in her car and ordered her to take him to Aldi was jailed today for 36 months. Vincent Canning pounced on the woman as she was driving the toddler from nursery in Glasgow Strum Chapel on October the 28th, 2021. The 31-year-old produced a knife and told the terrified woman, You have five seconds to drive away before I'll stab you. Canning ordered the sobbing woman to calm down and bit her arm during the horror journey, which ended at at the supermarket. Cannon pleaded guilty at Glasgow Sheriff Court to abduction, possession of a knife in a public place and breaching bail. Sheriff Tony Kelly ordered Canning to be under supervision for nine months upon his release from prison. The court had earlier heard the woman was driving home from nursery when Cannon pulled her over in the middle of the road. He went into the front passenger seat while the child was in the back. Canning denied drinking despite smelling of alcohol before producing the knife and making the threat to drive. The woman initially drove to B&M, where Canning spat on her. Prosecutor Lauren Donnelly said the victim was terrified, shaking and thought she was going to be sick. Canning initially left the car and the woman tried to drive away, but he was able to get back in the car. Miss Donnelly said, Canning said that she'd go to Aldi instead. The woman was crying during the journey. Miss Donnelly added, He told her to calm down and bit her on the arm. She tried to get out of the car, but Canning told her, Look at me, look at me, and grabbed her hand away when she tried to get other motorists' attention by flashing her lights. The woman was able to leave the vehicle at the Aldi car park and approached another driver before mouthing police. The trio went into the Aldi before the police arrived and arrested Canning before finding a lockback knife in the passenger side of the vehicle. And that was a report by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 15th of June 2022, from the news section. Patrick Grady's victim calls on disgraced Glasgow MP to quit Parliament by Andrew Learmonth. The teenage victim of sex pest, Patrick Grady, has called for the MP to stand down from Parliament. He's also blasted the SNP for protecting the former chief whip, 
despite the findings of the Westminster League's watchdog. Speaking to the Daily Record, the man, who cannot be named and who still works for the party, said he felt vindicated but hit out at the punishment. The independent expert panel has called for Mr Grady to be suspended from Parliament for just two days. In the report, they said the sanction would have been harsher had the man not spoken to media about his experience. He said, I'm bitterly disappointed at such a lenient sanction. It is not only devastating to me, but also to other victims of sexual harassment. He needs to stand down as he is not fit to be an MP. I'm shocked I will have to go back to work with him. I don't accept his apology. The man said his colleagues in the SNP no longer speak to him and he feels like he has been re-victimised all over again. He said, It is bullying. I've been cut out of meetings I normally attend with no explanation. I've been cut out of email chains and other stuff you'd expect to have access to in a role like mine. However, I'm still asked to clock in at work. Months have gone by with nothing coming into my inbox for me to do. With one or two honourable exceptions, SNP MPs, MSPs and party officials looked away or turned their backs on me and showed no interest in my well-being. However, they showed every interest in protecting Patrick, he added. The man was just 19 when Mr Grady made unwanted sexual advances towards him at a Christmas party in 2016. In the report, the panel said that Mr Grady, under the influence of alcohol, made a sexual advance to the complainant in the mistaken belief that this advance would be welcomed. It continued, The advance included the touching and stroking of the complainant's neck, hair and back. The respondent states that when it became apparent that his conduct was not welcome, he desisted. Despite the party being aware of the complaint, Mr Grady was allowed to remain in the post as the SNP's chief whip until March 2021, when the Herald first revealed the accusations against him. He was even allowed to speak in a 2019 Commons debate about the harassment of staff. Last night, the SNP parliamentary group continued to stand by Mr Grady and said they welcomed his apology. The MP will only have the whips removed for two days he is suspended from the Commons. The Tories described that as a mere slap in the wrist. That lenient punishment contrasts with Nicola Sturgeon's position in 2017. After the solicitor Amir Anwar said he was aware of a catalogue of abuse in Holyrood with interns, researchers and MSPs all being subjected to sexual harassment, the First Minister said that the Scottish Parliament needed to be a Workplace where there is zero tolerance of such unacceptable behaviours. When complaints were made against the SNP MSP Mark Donald in November, he was suspended from the party while investigations took place. When an internal SNP probe said he had deliberately and persistently pestered two women with inappropriate and unwanted messages, paid them unwanted attention causing distress and was guilty of exploiting his position of power, the First Minister called on him to resign his seat. When complaints were made against the SNP MSP Mark Macdonald in November, he was suspended from the party while investigations took place. When an internal SNP probe said he had deliberately and persistently pestered two women with inappropriate and unwanted messages, paid them unwanted attention causing distress and was guilty of exploiting his position of power, the First Minister called on him to resign his seat. Yesterday, Speaking at the press conference to launch a new push for independence, Ms Sturgeon said she had not read the report into Mr Grady's conduct 
but told journalists, We expect the highest standards from others. We have a duty to ensure the highest standards are abided by with our own ranks as well. The panel's report raised questions about how the SNP's Westminster leader, Ian Blackford, dealt with the complaint. They said his attempt to organise an impromptu informal resolution between the two men in 2018 left the victim feeling ambushed and intimidated into accepting an apology. The man told the Daily Record, I had no idea what the meeting was about. All I had was Ian Blackford calling me on the phone telling me to go up to his office for a meeting. When I got there, Patrick was sitting on the crouch, crying. I had no time to digest any of this information that was happening at the time. I just had to sit down and listen to Patrick's apology. The man criticised Mr Blackford. I don't think having a one-off-the-record meeting is an appropriate action for any leader of a party to take when it comes to sexual harassment. He said, I think Blackford owes all the staff an apology for his role in this. It's not just me who is impacted by this. I think he owes an apology to the staff and the group of MPs. In his Commons apology yesterday, Mr Grady said he was profoundly sorry. He admitted that the case was aggravated by a considerable disparity in age and authority between myself and the complainant and further aggravated by excessive consumption of alcohol on my part. Mr Grady said he had learned significant lessons through this process and insisted that such behaviour on my part will never happen again. The Conservatives said there were still questions for the SNP. MSP Annie Wells hit out at the party's decision to remove the whip for just two days she said, From day one, the SNP have failed to treat this matter with the seriousness it warranted, and that's continued with a shamefully weak decision. Patrick Grady ought to be considering his position as an MP for his gross breach of trust, so for his party to give him a mere slap in the wrist, it's an insult to the brave individual who came forward to raise the complaint. He was hung out to dry as the SNP sought to cover up exactly what went on, and has every right to be furious that Patrick Grady's only punishment from the party is to lose the whip for two days. The SNP have serious questions to answer over their lack of decency, transparency and judgement. Their attitude will only put off any further complainants feeling confident enough about coming forward in the future. Amy Killen of the Women's Equality Party was critical of the IEP's justification for reducing the punishment. She said... Patrick Grady MP has received only two days suspension for sexual harassing a staffer who was 19. The panel justified reducing the sanction by blaming the staffer for how he handled a process that had already failed him. This is victim blaming 101. It has no place in our society, least of all in the institution responsible for making our laws. Those investigating were more concerned with the reputation of a sexual harasser and the comments itself than with any real accountability. And that was a report by Andrew Learmonth. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 15th of June 2022. From the news section, Quad bike rider dies after crashing into Headstone in Lamhill Cemetery. Exclusive by Esther Tarnay. A man has tragically died after his quad bike crashed into a headstone in a North Glasgow cemetery. Emergency services rushed to Lamhill Cemetery on Trester Road following reports of a man on a quad bike colliding with a headstone at 6am on Sunday. The 36-year-old man, understood to be from Cadar, sustained st- serious injuries 
and was taken to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital. He was pronounced dead a short time later. Police Scotland has confirmed that an investigation was launched following the incident. A fourth spokesperson said, At 6am on Sunday, June 12, 2022, Police Scotland received a report of a collision between a quad bike and a structure within the cemetery at Trester Road, Glasgow. The 36-year-old male rider of the vehicle sustained serious injuries and was transported by ambulance to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, where he was pronounced dead a short time later. Inquiries into the incident are ongoing. Glasgow City Council is responsible for the cemetery. It is understood that a headstone was damaged during the crash. A Glasgow City Council spokesperson said, This is a police matter, and it would be inappropriate to comment further at this time. The Scottish Ambulance Service was approached for comment. And that article was an exclusive by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 15th of June 2022, from the news section, Two suspects accused of robbery involving women, 81, at Glasgow Church, by court reporter Connor Gordon. Two suspects will stand trial accused of assault and robbery of an 81-year-old woman at a church. Nicola Capola, 39, and Richard Reston, 45, allegedly attacked Mary McElhinney at Church for Christian Brethren in Glasgow's Anneland on January 12, 2020. Court papers state the pair seized hold of her bag and dragged her down a flight of stairs to her injury. The charge goes on to say that they robbed Miss McElhinney of her bag and its contents. Capola and Reston also face a further two charges. It is said that on the same day they stole £30 from a Bank of Scotland in Anneland. They are also claimed to have assaulted a Laura Kennedy at the same bank three days earlier. The charge claimed she was pushing the body and robbed of £40 and her bank card. Capola and Reston pleaded not guilty today to the three charges at Glasgow Sheriff Court. A trial was fixed for October by Sheriff Gerald Considine. And that was a report by Connor Gordon. Evening Times, June 15. Opinion. Susan Aiken says, cross-party support needed to tackle cost-of-living crisis. One of the most disturbing reports about Glasgow and its people to emerge in recent years was published last week by the Centre for Population Health and Glasgow University. It found that austerity is the biggest reason why premature death rates among Glaswegians are failing to improve, a situation the authors fear will be made even worse by the cost of living crisis. Responsibility for this grim and unnecessary situation lies with the Westminster government. So too do most of the solutions. After all, the Tories have the levers to reverse cuts to social security and public spending. They just won't. So although we cannot do everything we would like, where we can assist affected citizens, the City Council steps up. Supporting the individuals, households and communities most vulnerable to the effects of the cost of living crisis is an urgent priority for us. We must take every opportunity, using the limited powers and resources we have, 
to mitigate its financial impact, to prevent people from falling into severe consequences like homelessness, and also to support Glaswegians to permanently improve their financial circumstances. Next week, I will bring forward a motion to full council, calling on all parties to support efforts to do just that. Glasgow Times readers will recall that before the local elections, the joint SNP and Green budget set aside £3 million to begin making inroads on the cost of living crisis. That funding is tackling fuel poverty for those worst affected, helping one-parent families and disabled citizens with debt and accessing employment and providing essential household items. I will be asking senior officers to report back on how that cash is having an impact and how pilot schemes to increase household incomes are making a difference. Many of the recommendations made in the Centre for Population Health report are already happening here in Glasgow. But next week I will call for cross-party support to really ramp up that activity. Part of that will be rolling out citywide high-quality money advice and welfare rights services to ensure people receive all the benefits and entitlements they are eligible for. Tens, maybe even hundreds of thousands of Glaswegians are not claiming everything they are entitled to and experts on the front line tell us these services are essential in addressing that. We want to expand the work we have been doing to create and grow wealth in Glasgow's communities and to create a fair work city using our business support and procurement policies to encourage employers to ensure that at the very least, workers are paid the Glasgow living wage. And the Council's Centre for Civic Innovation has been doing some really exciting work in Greater Pollock and elsewhere, enabling local people to co-design local services that work for them, an approach we want to embed in communities right across the city. And with the cost of public transport a significant drain on those in poverty, especially people lying in outlying areas, we want to help address this in the short to medium term. In a context where fuel costs are in danger of impacting on fares, we have got to be realistic about what we can do with the powers, resources and relationships we have right now. But Accessibility to transport has to be significantly improved so those on low incomes can take up opportunities to education, employment and public services. Whilst the Tories heap misery on the most vulnerable, Scotland is committing hundreds of millions of pounds annually to lift people out of poverty. We in Glasgow have a duty to strengthen the safety nets and protect our citizens from the excesses of this crisis. I am calling on every councillor to back this work.
Spotlight on the City. The Glasgow Times has addressed an issue of real importance this week by highlighting the impact on our city centre of vacant buildings and sites. What struck but did not surprise me was the refusal or unavailability of the owners when asked to explain why they were allowing their properties to create such a blight. These owners are often based hundreds or even thousands of miles away from Glasgow and have tenuous links with the city at best. But for the good of Glasgow's recovery, they really do need to take responsibility for the state of their properties. The council, of course, has our part to play and work such as deep cleans, graffiti removal, and the deployment of additional community enforcement officers is already underway. Along with improving eyesore sites and encouraging more outdoor dining, £2 million funding has been dedicated to a range of activities to support city centre recovery. The cash will also fund work to secure a long-term future for the city centre including identifying new and additional powers that the Council needs to better deliver recovery and regeneration, as well as acting now to support the refurbishment and conversion of vacant properties. Glasgow City Centre is a critically important economic and social asset going through profound change. It is vital that all of us with an interest in its well-being are pulling in the same direction. Back to business. After the elections, there is a real sense of us getting back to business at the Council. Last week's City Administration Committee saw us approve around £1.5 million for over 50 groups to provide the summer's holiday food programme. Real progress in the rebirth of the inner East End, with hundreds of new homes for the meat market site and creating 22 new local nature reserves. On top of this, £5.5 million was distributed to a number of really worthwhile regeneration projects including Elder Park Learning and Community Centre, Postle Park Family and Community Centre, and exciting arts, food and drink plans for the A-listed Brigade. I was particularly pleased to see £2 million support for Govan Hill Baths. The baths are a symbol of all that was wrong with how decisions used to be made in this city. A much-loved building and cherished facility simply shut down by Labour, who ignored the appeals for a reprieve by diverse communities. The community took matters into its own hands and fought a long, hard and successful campaign to restore and reopen Govan Hill Baths. I am delighted the SNP has helped facilitate that this is what supporting community empowerment looks like on the ground. Real people, real projects and real progress. It's what we'll see much more of in Glasgow in the years ahead 
says Susan Aiken. Evening Times, June 14. Lifestyle. Carnival inspired by New York's Coney Island comes to Glasgow. Report by Esther Tarnall. A carnival inspired by New York's Coney Island is set to come to Glasgow. Summer Beach Festival by Clyde Island will take place in the NCP King Street car park this summer. The event will run between Friday July 15 and Sunday August 7 from 10am to 10pm. Aiming to bring the seaside to the city centre, the carnival will feature artisan food and drink, live entertainment, fairground rides and attractions with a cocktail bar. Visitors will be able to enjoy a selection of thrill, family and children's rides, including a 14-metre giant wheel. Callum Broom, creative director of Clyde Island, said, We have seen costs spiral across the country, so we wanted to bring a little happiness with a summer beach festival for those staycationing this year in Glasgow with a fantastic food, drink and ride selection. Report by Esther Tarney. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.